Heavenly Father, we just thank you once again that we can assemble together in your name. We ask that you would superintend every part of this service and be honored and glorified in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, and turn to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. And uh, we're not going to start a brand new series tonight. We're going to give that a break for a couple of weeks. Um, how many of you remember Brother Mario Monette when he was down here? He's the preacher that did all the taping and everything in the basement for us when that was six years ago when we did the basement. And uh, he has asked me to preach the missions conference at their church in Quebec. And so our family will be leaving the 26th of October and coming back November 1st. And so uh, please don't disappear on the 28th. Uh, we uh, need everyone to cover all the spots. Brother Rick Dove, our missionary to Costa Rica, many of you, if you've been praying for him, knows that, know that he had uh, open heart surgery several months ago and was laid up, and he is now trying to uh, prepare himself to get back on the mission field. And uh, just so happens that he is in the area the Sunday I'm gone, so he'll be doing Sunday school and Sunday night. And, uh, and so uh, pray for us as we take the ministry of our church on the road uh, to Montreal for a week that will be able to be a blessing uh, Brother Monette was a great blessing to our church many, many times over the years. And uh, so I, I'm not gone on Sunday very often. And uh, so uh, just uh, I don't want anybody thinking they got my job. Amen. Uh, but uh, uh, we, we will be gone on a few Sundays in the coming year. But uh, just uh, pray about those things. And... Uh, I uh, want you to make aware, be aware of what's happening so that uh, you don't come in, what happened? Where'd Pastor go? And uh, preach a missions conference for Brother Monette. John chapter 9. Now, I wish we had time to read the entire chapter here. And we're going to go through the chapter uh, covering all the main points. But the um, there are many stories in the Bible, and of course, if you're here at our Sunday school time at all, you know that uh, we've actually changed the name on most of the church literature to Through the Bible, because that's what we do at, at 1030, is we just go through the Bible. And uh, But there are reasons why these stories are in here, and every once in a while... Jesus gives us the complete and total reason for a story being included in the Scripture. And so I want you to turn to the end of the chapter. We're, we're going to kind of cheat. We're going to go back and read the last chapter first, uh, or the conclusion before we read the beginning here. But verse 39, And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. Now that sounds a little strange, does it not? Jesus said, for judgment I am come into this world, 
He says, I'm going to take those people that cannot see and I'm going to give them sight. I'm going to give them the gift of being able to see and understand what they see. And those that do see, I'm going to make them blind. Now, I want you to stop and think a moment before we get into this story. How much information comes into your mind and into your soul through your perception of sight? Could you explain color to a blind person? Now, they may be able, if, depending on the type of blindness that they have, uh, they may be able to see different shades of dark and light, but color, the light green of a new leaf on a tree, the beautiful colors of the leaves on the tree in the fall, This would be something a blind person could not conceptualize. How about beautiful versus ugly? I mean, we have a lot of things going on. We determine things that are beautiful versus things that are ugly. We, uh, What did somebody once say that... Uh, um, what was it? Politics is Hollywood for ugly people. I think someone said that once. Uh, I mean, what determines that these certain few super people get to be on the television screen and the rest of us don't? Well, it's very easy. You can stare at them. Go home and try to stare in the mirror for five minutes. See what happens. It's like, no, 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 I've had enough of this. Uh, but how does a blind person comprehend those things? How much do you learn by looking at something? I mean, I can look at something and I can take it apart. And I can put it back together again. Almost always. It's just something I'm mechanically inclined, they say. But I couldn't do that if I couldn't see. Couldn't even begin to do that. And here's what Jesus says. He says, I'm going to take those people that cannot see... He says, I'm going to judge the world. I've come into this world for judgment. Here's how I'm going to judge the world. I'm going to take those people that cannot see and allow them to see. And those people that can see, I am going to take away their sight. And that's the reason why this story is here. Now... If we were to 
bring you up on the platform tonight. We're not going to do this. Don't get worried. But if we were to bring you up on the platform tonight and put a blindfold on you and then say, I want you to walk to the back of the auditorium with the blindfold on. What would be your first thought? My first thought is about 30 inches between the platform and the regular floor. Uh, I don't think I want to take that in one step while I'm blindfolded. How about you? Especially when I don't know that it's there. Uh, I would be concerned about those things. The closest thing I ever did to being blind was uh, I was the bus mechanic at Cleveland Baptist Church uh, the second year of our marriage in, in preparation to come here to the city. And I was painting a bus. Some of you may have heard this story. I've used it often. And in order to paint, what you did was you took paper and masking tape and put over the parts of the bus that you didn't want to paint so that you could just spray the paint on. And then when it was all done, you took the paper and the tape off and the bus was painted where you wanted it to be painted and it was not painted where you didn't want it to be painted. Well, I had just finished taping a bus. It had taken the better part of a day rolling the paper over the windows and over certain parts and painstakingly putting the tape on right because if you put the tape on crooked, guess what happens when you paint? You get a crooked line and it looks horrible. And uh, then my boss, uh, Bob Folger, came out and said, we got a breakdown. You got to get this bus out of the garage. He said, Pastor Folger, I just taped the bus. He said, no problem. And he jumps up on a little step there by the windshield and he cuts a little patch out of the windshield, this big. And he says, now, you follow me and do exactly what I say and you can back the bus out of the garage blind. He said, by the way, if you don't listen to me, don't bother uh, showing up at work tomorrow. You know what he was telling me? There's no excuse for you driving, making a mistake if you'll trust what I tell you to do. You see, if you're blind and you're going to function how many have ever seen a blind person walking down the sidewalks in New York City and and they do incredible things tie ties how many people with full sights and mirrors can't tie a tie and 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 blind people can tie a tie and it'll be straight and and look good and even the colors will match and everything how do they do that they've got to trust a seeing person to match everything and give them instruction. Isn't that true? A blind person who will learn from a seeing person can operate almost on the same field as a person with sight. 
if a blind person will trust the direction of their seeing eye dog, how many stories are there of blind people whose lives were saved by their seeing eye dog protecting them? One that comes to my mind, I think it was in Reader's Digest, was this blind man was trying to get on the elevator. And he said, all of a sudden, the dog stood in front of him and would not move. And he was trying to move the dog, and he was giving the dog orders. Get out of my way. I want to get on the elevator. Of course, the dog couldn't talk back. He decided to trust the dog. And someone came running up behind him and said, Thank goodness your dog was there. The elevator shaft is empty. There's nothing in it. You would have fallen to your death if you had not trusted in the direction that you got and received as a blind person. How many of you see the applications of this sermon already? I mean, there's a lot of them, is there not? See, Jesus is giving us the application right here. Now, what would happen to a blind person who would refuse instruction and say, I don't have to listen to you. I can't see anything, but I'm going to figure this out all on my own. I will tell the colors in my clothes by touching them. Do you think that would work? I mean, just because something is green, does that mean it's going to match? <laughs> no. Um, and this is what Jesus is saying. By the way, there are many different kinds of blindness. Does anyone here know that they are colorblind? I had a friend, he, he was all mad. I mean, he was just boiling. He said, I signed up for the military. I wanted to be on the bomb squad. He said, that was my only desire in life. This was a guy who actually went to Bible college with. And he said, but I'm colorblind. Yeah, touch the red wire, right? <laughs> How many of you want Fred Hubry? defusing uh, the IED that you find on the road. Uh, not me. Uh, I want somebody that can tell the difference between red and green. Amen? Uh, you can get in a lot of trouble that way. Well, if you don't know you're colorblind, do you know in America that's why the stoplight is on top and the go light is on the bottom because people who cannot discern the color know that go is on the bottom and red and stop is on the top. All they see is a glow. They can't tell the difference. It all looks the same to some people. You see, if you're blind and you're going to see, you're going to have to trust the input 
of someone who can see. And by the way, if you think you can see and cannot, don't know about it. I remember the story that Ronald Reagan told. He said he was probably 10 or 12 years old and they were moving uh, somewhere uh, to another town and for some reason, somebody pointed out something. He said, I can't see it. And his mother handed him her glasses. He said, all of a sudden, I found out there was a world out there. He was profoundly nearsighted. Could not hardly see past the window of the automobile in which he was riding. And had no clue there was anything out there until his mother just haphazardly loaned him her glasses. There is nothing more dangerous than a person who thinks they can see and cannot. Now we could spend the rest of the night here, but that we want to set the stage. Because the truth of the matter is, all the world is blind. It's just some people think they see, and other people admit they cannot. So we start in John chapter 9, and verse 1, let's go back here. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Now here's the miracle that Jesus did. As Jesus was passing through the city of Jerusalem, there was a blind man sitting there. The most typical way he would earn his income was to beg. And somehow the disciples knew that he was born blind. Maybe it was that he was using that as his sales pitch. Uh, I was born blind. Please help me. I've never seen. I mean, wouldn't that maybe touch your heartstrings if you were inclined to give? And it's not like the poor people in America. They get checks every month and all kinds of programs. If you didn't give him food, he didn't eat. And so 
We don't know how they found this out, but their question to Jesus was rather strange. And it illustrates the point perfectly how little the disciples saw or understood. They said, who sinned? Uh, Did this man sin that he was born blind? Uh, Or did his parents sin that he was born blind? Now, you know, there's people out there who believe that every uncomfortable thing, every bad thing that happens to you comes from the devil, and every good thing, things that are comfortable, comes from God. Uh, I want to challenge you, that kind of understanding is not true. This man was born blind so that the glory of God could be manifest in him. And if you win the lottery, that is not good. That is really bad. Read the stories of the people who've won. It's not a pleasant story. You see, just because you think it's good doesn't mean that it is. God said it was good that this man was born blind. How would you like to be able to give a testimony in heaven? The first thing I saw was Jesus. Now, wouldn't that be good? That'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? Now, actually, that wasn't true of this man because he went to the pool, washed, came seeing. Jesus was gone. He didn't know who he was or what he had done. This man was examined. Now, have you ever met somebody? Something's wrong with everything. It doesn't matter what happens. It's got to be bad. I mean, here was a man who was born blind, and now he sees, and everybody knows something bad just happened. Does that make sense to you? It ought not. But you see, some of the people didn't understand a few things. You see, this was the Sabbath day. Jesus had made clay. How many of you remember the story in the book of Exodus? God had just given the Ten Commandments and there was a Egyptian man in the camp of Israel, and he decided that he wanted to cook some food on the Sabbath day, and he went out and picked up a couple of sticks. I think the Bible says two sticks. How many know what happened to him? He was stoned to death because he had broken the Sabbath. Now, doesn't it sound like Jesus just broke the Sabbath by spitting in the dirt and making clay? That was certainly as much work as the Man did in the camp of Israel picking up the sticks, right? But how many of you know the rest of the laws of the Sabbath? You were allowed to lead your animals to watering on the Sabbath. You know why? Because God cares about the animals. They shouldn't have to dehydrate so you can rest. If your animal was wandering around in the field and fell into a pit, 
on the Sabbath day, you could save the animal's life by pulling it out of the pit because God cares. If, well, on the Sabbath, the priest did all of his regular daily work on the Sabbath day. The morning sacrifice, the morning incense, the cleaning of the altar, the removing of the ashes. They did not have the the regular regimen of sacrifices that were during the week, but he still had to make sure that the table of showbread was there, trim the wicks. He would offer the evening sacrifice and, and all of those regular things on the Sabbath and be blameless. Why? Because God cared about his word. So, healing a blind man on the Sabbath day was in the confines of the law. Are we all together here? The only problem was the Pharisees didn't see that. His neighbors were the first ones. Let's look here, verse 8. The neighbors, therefore... And they which had before, which before had seen him that was blind says, is not this he that sat and begged? Some said that, uh, some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. I like the way the Bible, but he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, how were thine eyes open? He told the story. They, verse 12, where is he? He said, I, I do not. They brought him to the Pharisees, and it was the Sabbath day, verse 14. Then again, the Pharisees asked him how he had received his sight. And we read in verse 16 of how their argument, how uh, he broke the Sabbath. He's a sinner, but he did a great miracle. It must be of God. Uh, And they were arguing back and forth all the while. They refused to believe that the blind man received his sight until they got testimony from his parents. Could you imagine that? Here is the man he sees. We have, te- we have people all around who said, this is the guy that sat begging. Now he can see. They have to get his parents out and check his birth certificate. Now, if it were modern day, I guess they would have won a DNA test, but that takes about two weeks. So uh, I'm not sure how this all worked here, but uh, uh, we come down here to, to verse 19, uh, verse 18. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son? Who ye say was born blind, how then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. By what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. He already had. Uh, I want to remind you that he already had, and they refused to believe him. His neighbors refused to believe him. The Pharisees refused to believe him. And finally, it gets to a point. We come down here to verse 30. 
The man answered, this was the blind man that had received his sight. The man answered and said unto them, Why why herein is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Now that idea of casting out was, they put a decree upon him that he could never enter a synagogue again. He would never ever be allowed in the temple again. He was removed from being a Jewish man. That's what this idea of casting out has to deal with. Now, whether everybody else would have recognized the Pharisees' edict of, of, uh, of uh, uh, removal or not, we don't know, but this was uh, the intent and the desire of their uh, judgment upon him, and they certainly had the ability to enforce that. But then he gets examined one more time. Let's read the next few verses here. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord... I believe. And he worshipped him. Every once in a while you'll meet some strange person that will say, Jesus never claimed to be God. I like to take him to John chapter 9. What's the first commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What's the second commandment? Thou shalt not bow thyself down to any. Thou shalt worship no graven image. Uh, Many religions have graven images, have statues as part of their religions. And and it's funny, one religion curses another because they have statues and they have icons. They do everything to their pictures that the other religion does to their statues. It's hilarious. If it weren't the issue between eternal life and eternal death, that is what is so scary. But Jesus said, do you believe on the Son of God? He says, who is he? Jesus said, I am he. And he bowed down and worshipped him. Only God accepts worship in the Bible. Let me tell you, the blind man was seeing an awful lot right now. Do you think he saw the emptiness and the falseness of the religion that he had heard about all his life, but would have been very limited in his practice because of his blindness? There are very few things that he could have done. 
all of a sudden he now has his eyesight and because of that he is cut off from his religion forever as long as he lives. And yet he meets God and worships him and has eternal life promised to him right here. Can we say amen to that? Now, some of those Pharisees are all standing around and they're watching this happen. And Jesus now makes the statement that we started with in verse 39. For judgment I am come into this world that they which see not might see and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus saith unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin, but now ye say we see, therefore your sin remaineth. Now just a few minutes will be done. Do you remember when you stopped trusting what you could see, what you could understand, and you trusted what someone who could truly see said. That's how you get saved, my friend. You must believe that God can see things that you cannot. And you must surrender to his instruction. It would be very foolish for a blind man to say... I think this match is fine. I like the way it feels. That, that would not be a good judge, uh, especially if you had a uh, purple shirt and a chartreuse tie. I mean, you could come up with some really interesting things uh, if you had such things. You probably have other problems, too. But... Uh, the simple truth of the matter is, if you cannot see, it would be very foolish for you to demand to have your way instead of listening to someone else. And in this world, it is very foolish for you to tell God what is right and what is wrong when he has already told you in his word. Will you trust his direction? That's how you get saved. Uh, by the way, how do you live in this crazy mixed up world in which we find ourselves? Uh, could I challenge you to stop trying to see things that you cannot see and take instruction and direction from him who sees all? Amen? Amen? I, I met someone who was in real estate appraisal a while back. And, uh, when did you buy this building, preacher? I said, well, we started negotiations in fall of 96. We closed in April of 97. He said, do you know that that was the absolute bottom of the real estate market in New York City? That if you'd gotten out a crystal ball and tried to predict the time, you could not have picked a better time in the history of this city than in that time period right there. I said, God sure is smart, isn't he? 
I mean, he was almost upset at me that we had taken advantage of knowledge that we uh, had gotten illegally or something. It was hilarious. I'm not that smart. I can't see. But I can listen to somebody who knows what's going on. How do you know what you should do with your life? If somebody had told me when I was a 16-year-old boy that all these things would happen, I had had two words for you, maybe three. Not me. Not happening to me. I'm getting out of here now. But you see, the Lord doesn't give you everything at one time. Have you ever been told to wait? How many of you like to wait? Not me, man. How about now? Uh, How about yesterday? (laughs) But God is in perfect in his timing. How many of you have ever felt like God just put you on hold and you're just sitting there dangling? Uh, Wait a minute. God's not a cruel God. He is love. Amen? Can you trust Him rather than trust you? I had somebody say, Well, who are you going to trust? God? Oh, you're so childish. Yeah? It says, except ye be converted and become as a little child, shall no wise enter into the kingdom of God. That's where I want to go. And so I'll, I'll be childish. I have no desire to be anything less or anything more. Because that's what God said. And he will lead us in the direction that he wants us to go. He will give you the ability to see your own sin And your need for the Savior. That's how you get saved. So why should you live differently? You know, when we start thinking we have answers and we see the way ahead of us and say, I think I got this thing planned out. You better be careful. You are stepping on very dangerous ground. Because you're now beginning to trust what you can see instead of what he sees. That's why Jesus told this Pharisee, you said, you say you see, but you're blind. This blind man, he saw. One last little point. The disciples started out pretty blind. But you know, their silence at the end of the story speaks volumes, does it not? Uh, they're not saying a lot of things. They're not in with the Pharisees saying, Oh, Lord, we understand it now. Many of them didn't. And they were going to talk to the Lord about that a little later. John was going to think on these things a little later, and then he wrote these things down. And and I, I wonder, it's just a thought on my part, if as John was writing John chapter 9, Now I get it. Now I understand what Jesus was saying. 
I mean, that could be very realistic. Because they were very quiet. They weren't going to step in the same mess that the Pharisees had just done. By thinking they saw and understood. But you know what they did? They just stayed with Jesus. They trusted his direction, his instruction. If you're blind, the only way you're going to be safe is by trusting someone who can see. Amen? Well, let me tell you, there is nothing that will make you more blind than sin. And the only thing that can recover your sight is the Savior. And so when you're confused and don't know which way to go, remember the blind man and spend a few moments with the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I can't see. I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to trust you. Do you think he's going to let you down? No, he's going to give you the direction that you need. The sooner you get it, the better off you are. Amen? Remember what the blind man saw. And remember how blind the seeing men were in this story. And it'll help you live. And all God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would put these things in our hearts and in our minds. And that as we look in this world in which we live, that we would remember how blind we are and how much we need to trust in the Savior. Give us the direction that we may trust your word. There's no excuse for us losing the way if we listen to the Savior. We ask that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to minister to our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just keep our heads bowed. I have the